The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our host is Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We're going to meet Chip Gordon here in the program today. Actually, Chip's been with us before. He has. That's my friend and my brother, Reverend Gordon, who is the Director of Pastoral Care at Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Atlanta. There's going to be a thorough discussion of advanced directives today. Now, if you don't know what that means, you need to pay special attention. Yeah, stick around. You want to hear this conversation today. It's very important. Yeah, it'll be very informative. Okay, here's our free resource we're offering to everyone who's listening today. You can go and download this right now at our website. What to expect when diagnosed with cancer. We can get overwhelmed when we receive that diagnosis. So why not be prepared in advance? Well, we've talked about it before. No one is prepared to be told that they have cancer. No. Just like no one necessarily is prepared when their house catches on fire unless you've had a fire drill. That's why we do fire drills. That's why we do them in public places. So consider this document, if you will, a type of verbal or a digital uh, drill of things to consider and think about before you have to consider and think about them and when you're forced to have a cancer conversation. And so there's some basic things here that we've outlined that uh, most people should be aware of and understand that these are some things potentially to expect when diagnosed with cancer. It's called What to Expect When Diagnosed with Cancer. You can download it, you can read it online and or download it at healthhopeandinspiration.com. At Cancer Treatment Centers of America, there are hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa, and they take an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists by calling 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, just before our guest joins us today, why don't you open the scriptures for us, Percy? Very familiar passage of scripture, but philosophically will help to frame an important conversation that we're hearing in just a second. Our scripture verse is found in Ecclesiastes 3.8, and it reads as follows. To everything is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant Time to pluck up, which is planted, time to kill, time to heal, time to break down, time to build up, time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, time to dance, a time to cast away stones, time to gather stones together, time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep and time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. Time to keep silent and a time to speak. Verse 8, a time to love and time to hate. A time of war and time of peace. Understand that there is a time and a season 
attached by God and assigned by God for everything that happens to us and with us under heaven and in earth. And in the context of today's conversation, a time to live and a time to die. Let's talk about how can we be better prepared when the time when the assigned time of death comes before us. All right. Well, thanks for bringing this to us. Your interview was recorded recently, and here's Percy. Well, what can I say? I've got the the one, the only, the incomparable, my my brother, and I say that <laughs> with all a sincerity in my heart and friend, Reverend Chip Gordon, who is the director of pastoral care at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Atlanta. Uh, and he's been on the show before. We've talked before. You can archive uh, Reverend Chip Gordon and you can hear some of the previous uh, interviews that we've done. Uh, but today we're going to have a very different conversation. So before we go into that, uh, welcome to the show, my friend. How you doing? Thanks, Reverend Percy. Gl- great to be here. Well, it's been a while since you it and has. I have chatted last yeah. on this format. So uh, it was time for us to circle back and get together. Uh, and I know you're busy. I know you got you got so much to do and, and so much is on your plate and you have more responsibilities and duties. Let's talk a little bit before we get into the subject that at hand that we want to talk about. And uh, let's uh, give an update to, to some of the things that you're doing along with your pastoral care duties as director at CTCA Atlanta. Well, you're right. I mean, since coming here seven years ago, things have changed. I mean, we've continued to grow, and even my job, my position has continued to grow. Yeah. Um, in that, I'm now uh, the director of our rehab department as well. Wow. And, uh, and oversee oversee uh, the the day to day operations there, but but also with our pastoral care team. But at at the core, I still love taking care of patients, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I've told my boss is I still want to be able to touch patients okay. and to be able to be involved with patients. So one of the things I do, I'm in the surgery department every morning, uh, visiting with patients in pre op and yep. praying for them, praying with them, and and uh, being a, a resource for our surgical team as well. And, of course, uh, you're still one of uh, the facilitators of the Our Journey of Hope Cancer Care Leadership Training Absolutely. Program. Absolutely, and we're seeing great things happen there. We have trained, uh, my goodness, hundreds of churches in the last several years just well, here in, in Atlanta. Well, well, here's some specific data that I have floating in my head since I have to be the gatekeeper of all that data and information. Uh, and basically, to this date, uh, in our five-year window since we've rebranded the program, over 2,600 people have been trained with this program, representing over 1,600 congregations and representing 14 foreign countries along with pastors and churches out of the United States. And, and Percy, you have to think how many people that represent those congregations Exponential. and the reach just not only for the four walls of that, that congregation, but even out in the community. And so that this it's an incredible ministry, our it, journey. Of yeah, if you just did some basic math of, you know, 1,600 congregations, and they say the number moves every once in a while, depending on who you listen to, that the average size of a congregation in the United States is 200 people. And that's average. If you just did 1,600 times 200, that gives you a sense of some of the scope. And you're right, that's just within the four walls of that local institution, not to mention what happens outside of that local church. I know of congregations 
and our Journey of Hope uh, delegates who are now working inside of their local cancer care hospitals. They have offices inside of their local hospitals. Uh, we have uh, one of our delegates in Hawaii who has the sponsorship of a local cement company that has the name of their cancer care ministry oh, that is incredible. on the side of the barrel of their cement truck on all of the islands of Hawaii. So when we start when we start talking about the growth and the reach of our journey of hope, uh, we just simply stop to give God glory. Yeah, and and right. I can tell you, I remember, uh, I think our journey of hope is going on its 16th year birthday when we started out literally with two sticks and a flint. I had no idea that that the reach of what this program now is doing and how it is blessing others. And you've been a big part of that. And I just want to say thank you for well, your contribution. We, we love it. We're doing six events, training events, uh, cancer care leadership trainings. Here in Atlanta this year and next year, we're looking at at adding three more events. So. Well, we're we're going to pray for capacity and for bandwidth as we continue to reach the masses. And so, uh, again, thank you to you and your team. Thank you. But we're not going to talk about our journey of hope today. We've done that before. Been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. We're going to talk about something uh, that is equally as important, uh, but may not be a very common conversation or a comfortable conversation for the average person, and that is the subject of advanced directives. Uh, and I'll set it up this way, Reverend. Uh, I can recall when I was still doing bedside uh, chaplaincy and support, probably the most difficult conversation that was broached, particularly with people of faith inside of a clinical environment, was the conversation of uh, advanced directives. And so let's give definition to what an advanced directive is, is that this is the ability for patients to articulate their wishes of what they would want to have done from a medical perspective and, and then appoint someone who would be that spokesperson on their behalf of making sure that their wishes are being respected from a clinical directive so that there, there is no one guessing or wondering or just arbitrarily doing whatever that this is what this patient wants. Uh, this is how they want it done. They want to discontinue care or whatever, and then have someone that will be appointed to express those wishes and make sure that the clinical team is following up and doing that exactly. Uh, there's some documentation and some paperwork that needs to be signed uh, and, and reviewed, and uh, many people are very uncomfortable with having this discussion. Let's talk about why you think advanced directives. Again, you're the man of faith and power. You're the man of, of bringing down the glory of God. Why you want to talk about what do you want to have done in uh, the event of a medical scenario per, and, and Percy, who do you want to do it? Percy, it is so important. All right, first of all, whenever you go to a hospital, it doesn't matter what hospital you go, hospital you go to, they're going to ask you, do you have an advanced directive or do you want an advanced directive? You know, anytime you're admitted to the hospital, that is one of the questions the nurse is going to ask you. And so it's a very common question, but it, what's interesting is it's, you always get asked that question in a hospital or in a clinical setting, mm -hmm. and just the name alone, advanced directive, is really saying that you need to make these decisions, a person needs to make these decisions in advance of a serious illness. Mm -hmm. Uh, unfortunately, and we see this all the time for our patients, and you know we're dealing with cancer patients sure. here at, at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and and those when when they don't have an advanced directive, we we talk with them about that. They're asked that when they first come in, when they're that registration when, and registration when they're admitted, if they are admitted into the inpatient hospital unit, 
And so we as chaplains, that's one of our responsibilities. We go and we talk with them. And it is difficult because people, I think they feel that if I fill this out, I'm giving up. It's like the white flag of surrender. Mm. And it's not. It's not at all. It's just saying if something were to happen and you couldn't make a decision or you did not want to make that decision, then who would be the person to make that for you? And what would your decisions be? You you summed it up perfectly at the beginning of, of just what an advanced directive is. It really is spelling out uh, your wishes uh, when you get to that point at end of life and, and what, what those wishes would be. So let's play with a couple of nuances that you've hit right on the head, Reverend. And of course, that's why you're here. You know, you're a seasoned, uh, experienced chaplain and, and pastor and minister. Um, let's talk about a couple of dynamics relative to, to some of the statements that you made. First and foremost, let's talk about this from a healthcare perspective, an organizational healthcare perspective, and most importantly, your treating physician. Why is having an advanced directive important for your physician and your clinical team? You know, physicians, when they, when they become doctors, they take that oath to do no harm. Yep, the Hippocratic and, and, Oath. And they, they want to give the very best care to a patient. Now, when you're you're talking about end of life, they want to do that. They want to treat patients in a way that is is ethically correct, ethically. Um, they want to treat them in a way that is uh, just even even morally. Everything that they do, they want to take care of the patient. Mm-hmm. But it helps the physician take better care of the patient if they know what the patient's wishes are. Because you know, when when you're talking about an advanced directive going into effect, you're talking about a patient who is at that point where they're they're in that irreversible condition. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about a patient that's just sick with a cold. You're talking about someone that is on that brink of of meeting Jesus yeah, face that, to face. End of life end stages. Of life. Okay. That's right. And so this this document gives the doctor direction for what the patient wants. Because many times at that point the patient isn't able to express that, that is correct, and and so it gives the doctor and and here's the thing: not only from that medical perspective, but for the family. Well, we're it, gonna get to that. Okay, okay, we're, we're gonna get to okay. that. So I want to put a period there, but I want to stay just on the medical side because I'll, I'll transition to that. So again, to synthesize, uh, at the end of the day, and I've seen this, I've seen docs who are like, listen, I don't want to make this decision on behalf of this patient. I want someone to tell me what does this patient, I want either the patient to tell me or one of the caregivers of the patient, or I need a document so that I can do what's in the best interest and what is right for the patient. That's right. So that's the big point that we want to drive home. So that's the important role and component from a clinical medical care perspective. Okay, now let's shift gears. Okay. And let's flip this around. Now let's talk about from a family perspective or a caregiving perspective of the complications, the mental and emotional stress of being in a scenario. And again, God forbid that a loved one is, is enter, has entered into some end of life stages. I, Reverend, I don't know about you, Reverend, I've seen family members fighting and feuding at the bedside because well, mama told me this. Well, no, that ain't what mama want to do. So who are we supposed to be taking our directives from at this point? And exactly. You know, and, and if, if a person does not have an advanced directive, that decision is going to first go to the spouse. If there's a surviving spouse, it goes to that person. 
then it will go to the, the children. And then, you know, it goes to other family members. But like you said, there are many times a lot of families gathered in. They're here in the hospital. They're in the waiting room. We're in meetings with those families, and everybody wants to put in their two cents worth. You know, we have, have family members who will say, well, now I'm just a sister-in-law, but I'm a nurse, and so I know more. And and, and it does. It creates a lot yeah, of Yeah, I just heartache. flew in from Jacksonville, and, you know, I've been practicing. I'm a nurse. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, so it, it creates so much heartache at a time really at a time that should be peaceful a time real really a holy time for that family Absolutely. to surround that that, that loved one it, it is very sacred and so if we can do anything to alleviate that and so that's where if the person and that's why it's so important for the listeners out there to realize you know what you know I don't have a health issue going on but you need an advanced directive uh, I'll tell you Several years ago, probably six years ago, I was talking with a patient one day and talking with him about an advanced directive. He did not have one, and, and he was a little hesitant. And, and in the course of the conversation, he looked at me and he said, he said, Pastor Chip, do you have an advanced directive? Mm. Yeah, I did not at the time. And I said, Oops. you know what? I said, I don't, but I need one. And that night, I went home, talked to my wife. My wife and I both completed an advanced directive. And, and and here's the thing with an advanced directive. Now, in some states, they have to be notarized. Some states, right. they do not. You have to have witnesses. Uh, so we got our witnesses. Um, I actually have my advanced directive on file here at this medical facility. So, uh, you know, it's important. And, and I had no health issues going on at the time. But now my wife knows my wishes. There you go. I know hers. And, and and I've even told my kids. My kids are now grown. They're both married, uh, and I've told them this is something you, you and your your spouses y'all y'all need to talk about right. because you never know when something could happen. You you may be fine, but you may be you may go out, drive down the road, get in a car accident, and can't express those wishes. So it really does alleviate that stress within families. And I'll tell you another uh, scenario is when it's a family where. Uh, maybe the husband, uh, his first wife passed away, and, and, and it's a second marriage for both. So they're grown kids on both sides. Correct. And then those kids start saying, but I think he would want this. No, I think he would want that. Is that is correct. And, and so it makes it, it just makes it such more of a calming time uh, during this, like you said, a very sacred time. And so a couple of takeaways with respect to that. Number one, um, uh, also is encouraging people to uh, have that discussion, do that documentation, but then sit down and have a discussion with your family members so that everybody know who's on first and what you as, because you're the person that's dictating the terms of that of that relationship so no one is guessing because I've seen this happen that at the bedside, People are trying to figure out, well, who's supposed to be doing what here? And then that's where the conflict in many cases comes right. into play. So it, it, it's also fair to the family members who get who are left behind so that they know, based upon the wishes of the patient, that I've assigned either my son or my daughter or whomever so that everybody's clear about who basically is, is on that paperwork and been given that authority to make those that's decisions. Right. And, and when you fill this out, when you fill out an advance directive, you're really not doing it for yourself. No. You're really doing it for the ones you love. Correct. It's for them. And so, you know, as you complete an advanced directive, and there are some differences 
with an advanced directive versus healthcare power of attorney versus a living will. Right. And that's where an advanced directive combines that healthcare power of attorney Correct. and living will document into one living document. And it's important to note, and you you mentioned it, but we'll say it again, that each state has some unique kind of dynamics. And so uh, feel free to go on the Internet and you should be able to look at your state statutes and state documents that are available per the state that you live in so that you can at least even just download one and read the documents. That's right. And, you know, in some cases they need to be notarized, in some cases they don't. But, again, so that you can access that information and look at it. Well, and, Percy, you even said, you know, from a faith standpoint, of course, I mean, I love I love the Lord. and, and well, that I was going to be my last point I, for I the believe, day. I believe, you know, I believe God can heal. But Scripture is very clear. And, you know, you go back to Ecclesiastes 3. There, there's a season, mm. and there, there's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. Reverend. And so, Reverend, Reverend Pastor, right Reverend Pastor, you telling me, because I'm trusting in the Lord, I, my faith is rooted and grounded in the fact that God can do anything. Jesus is Lord. You're going to ask me to fill out some paperwork to, to suggest that I'm, I may die and I need to tell people what my directors are? Hey, isn't that a conflict of my faith, man of God? Not, not at all. Just as going to a doctor is not a conflict of someone's faith. Because God has given us wisdom, God has given us knowledge, God has given us ability. I will tell you this, my God still heals. Now, my God may heal through the doctor. He may heal through a surgery. He may heal through chemotherapy or radiation. But I also know that my God mm. may heal in glory. Mm. And, and I want people... Here's the thing. There is hope at the beginning of a cancer journey. There is hope in the middle of a cancer journey. There is hope even at the end of a cancer journey. Yeah. And, and my prayer is that that patients and their families experience, even at the end of life, which is a very holy moment, a death that is peaceful and 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 dignified and not and not, not filled with conflict and and bickering and just loving on that patient and, and enjoying those those days. And, and in closing, what I can certainly say, Reverend, and you're exactly right, and uh, I appreciate you being on the show today, there is something to be said about dying in the dignity mm. and the grace and the presence Amen. of God That's right. without conflict and without confusion. And it's no wonder the scripture says, great are they, blessed are they who die Amen. Amen. in the Lord. It's appointed once unto death and then the judgment. But everybody has to, at some point, show up for that appointment of death and dying. So this is not a conflict of it's, our faith. It's not. It's not. And and there at the end of life, it's that I, I tell people it's that final doctor's yeah. appointment with the great physician. Oh, hallelujah. Well, with that today, you've been listening to my friend and my brother. And, and I tell them all the time, even when we're emailing and chatting back, my brother. And I spell it B-R-O-T-H-A. And so I know that that is not grammatically correct, but that's uh, bad grammar, but it's good gospel. Hey, it is. That's my brother and, and my I friend. I love my brother. Reverend Chip Gordon, who is the Director of Pastoral Care uh, at Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Atlanta, along with other duties, uh, just a man of God, a man of tremendous 
uh, uh, ability to to love up on people. And I, I love you and I respect and I thank you so much for our relationship and for all the work that you do and have done. May you guys and your team continue uh, to be blessed and do great work here thank in Atlanta. Thank you, Percy. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Reverend Chip Gordon, you've heard today on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. God bless. Have a great day. All right. Thank you, Percy. And I'll come back to Percy McRae, our host here in just a moment. But there's more to talk about regarding advanced directives. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. You can learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Percy McRae, and I'll mention our resource, our free resource, again in just a few moments. But let's talk more about advanced directives. That was so informative, though. Absolutely. Question. Yeah. Wayne, do you have an advanced directive? You know, I was sitting here listening to you talk with the, your, our friend, and I have a living will. Okay. And I, I think that suffices, doesn't it? Well, a living will is a document that falls under the general umbrella of what is called advanced directive. Okay. So let's clarify. For people listening, an advanced directive is a directive in writing that you make in advance of a healthcare situation. So one type of advanced directive is and can be a living will. Okay. A living will is a document that you as the patient or person directly states that this is what I do or do not want to be done under certain medical, clinical situations and circumstances. Mm -hmm. You sign that document. Depending on what state that you live in, you may have to notarize that document. That is the document that you provide to your medical team or your healthcare institution. A second type of advanced directive is a a medical power of attorney. A medical power of attorney is a document that you as the patient will assign a person that you trust, friend, family member, or otherwise, that this will be the person that will make medical directives and decisions on your behalf if you are incapacitated and you cannot speak or express for yourself. Now, here's the caveat here. Uh, That person should be making recommendations and expressing the wishes of what you want done, not what they Mm -hmm. want done. So if you've put it in writing, they should be following that. They should be following that directive, and therefore there should be no conflict there. Mm -hmm. The other dynamic here is there may be other family members or people who really believe that they're close to Wayne Shepherd who will say, well, I believe this is what Wayne would want to have done. Or this is what Wayne said to me on our last snowmobile trip. <laughs> None of that matters. What is in writing and who is the person who has been given the legal authority to speak on your behalf to make medical decisions, that is done and executed with a medical power of attorney. Very helpful. Percy McRae. Do you have an advanced directive? Well, well, well. In <laughs> fact, I do. Both I and my wife. I knew you would. <laughs> several years ago, we sat down and we drafted up our documents together. 
And then we expressed, and this is another important point, and we communicated to our family members, mothers, fathers, and children, Mm -hmm. that this is the person who is my medical, uh, who has my medical power of attorney and who will be making my medical decisions for me. So that then the ancillary family knows who that person is as well, so that Ultimately, there is no conflict, God forbid, at the point and the time when end of life comes, that there's an argument or dispute or disagreement on what should or should not be done. Let's talk about the when. Certainly, I can wait until I've received a serious diagnosis. And that is the worst time (laughs) to try to execute a medical power of attorney or an advanced directive. Right. The best time is? The best time. When do we basically uh, purchase and establish our auto insurance or our home insurance before something happens before the house catches on fire before the car is in an accident before the car is stolen we are clear we are calm and we know exactly how we feel and then we make that we make that arrangement i often tell people that a medical uh, an advanced directive is very similar in terms of purpose of a uh, advanced directive it is something that you will need potentially later but you're not expecting to happen at this moment, but you don't want to wait to be in the middle of a crisis of a situation and go, oh, I guess I need to get some car insurance. Right. Oh, I guess I need to get some home insurance. When the house is flooded and you know the windows are blown out from, from a hurricane, that is not the time to try to do that. Same school of thought that at the bedside under a healthcare crisis is a very difficult time to try to execute an advanced directive. Uh, there's high emotions. In some cases, there may not even be mental stability that's yeah, in, in play right. at that that's point. Good thought. Yeah. People are medicated. Uh, they're induced under certain therapies. So when one is calm, clear, and has given some serious thought to is the time to execute an advanced directive and then have a conversation with your family accordingly and put that in place, put it in your safe, put it in your safe deposit box and have it uh, in the event thereof. So, well, this whole conversation has been very eye-opening, I think, to a lot of our listeners. So thank you for bringing this to us today. Well, it's an important conversation that we don't think about. And then when we have to think about it, we don't want to think about it. So it's kind of an oxymoron, if you will. But the key thing here is, and particularly as people of faith, I also want to make the point very clear. We are not we this is not a conflict of our faith in terms of believing and trusting in God. Good point. By saying in advance, I sat down and I executed an advance directive. No, this is just in the event thereof. And remember that there is an appointment unto every man at some point to die. And that was part of our opening scripture Mm -hmm. that we read as well. And we'll close with it, that there is a time for everything. And death is one of those appointments that we at some point will have to keep. Just one more thing. This is as much for our loved ones as it is for us, isn't it? Well, actually, more importantly, it is for our loved ones because it removes the burden and the pressure from family members to have to try to make medical decisions that, quite frankly, they may not be equipped or prepared to make. And it's one of the reasons why, uh, in terms of establishing a, a medical power of attorney, you should give very serious thought to whom you would want to be the spokesperson on your behalf, who handles pressure well, who handles those type of scenarios, because in many cases, this is a very emotional moment. If a healthcare professional says, listen, we think that your mom and dad may have hours or days to live, 
the last thing some people are really equipped to do is to say, listen, uh, I think I can make this decision. And I've seen family members actually say, I don't think I can make this decision. And so part of the documentation of a medical uh, power of attorney is also to list alternates. So in the event that person number one mentally, emotionally, or physically cannot uh, follow through, then we go to alternate number two. Great idea. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, uh, you have the scripture ready here, and I'll call on you for that again in just a moment from Ecclesiastes. I was just looking at some numbers for our podcast, 175,000 subscribers Mm. now to this podcast. Mm. We thank God for each and every one of you. Absolutely, and continue to grow and build this audience uh, as we look toward reaching uh, the multitudes with the message of health, hope, and inspiration. Help us spread the word about health, hope, and inspiration. Thank you. Use Facebook and Twitter to tell others what you are here listening to here on health, hope, and inspiration. And uh, you were talking with Chip Gordon about our journey of hope in the Ministry Leaders Network earlier. That is correct. 31,000, almost 32,000 uh, people now signed up for the Ministry Leaders Network. And we are talking about literally pastors and spiritual leaders from literally around the world. Part of those numbers represent 14 different countries wow. as well as cities and states within the United States of America. So go to the website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. One, download the free resource, What to Expect When Diagnosed with Cancer. Two, click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page and sign up if you're a church pastor or leader for the Ministry Leaders Network. Go to healthhopeandinspiration.com. All right, take us back to Ecclesiastes. Well, we're going to close. Uh, we're going to read uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8 that says, To everything, not a few things, not some things, to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. One of the purposes under heaven is to live and then therefore to die. So there's a time and a season for every purpose and every scenario and season under heaven. And of course, for the sake of time, verses two uh, through seven goes through the different scenarios to break down, to build up, to kill, to heal, uh, to cry, to laugh, to mourn, to rejoice. The point to be made is that death is not something for us to run away from, that it is not uh, um, uh, uh, the, the, the terrible thing that we always associated with. It's difficult and it's hard, but it's part of the assignment of every human being on the planet and that we need to prepare ourselves potentially for the day and hour when that should happen. And that's the reason why we have the conversation today as being a person of faith, trusting and believing in God. Uh, do your family and do your healthcare professionals and your healthcare organizations a huge favor and put your wishes in writing on paper and discuss that with loved ones so there is no dispute, there is no confusion, and that one can have a peaceful and restful transition when that time comes. All right, we all have an assignment, don't we? Let's check out these advanced directives. Okay, thanks, Percy, for bringing this today. That's Percy McCray, our host here on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'll see you next time. Yes, sir, and in the meantime, keep chopping the wood. We've got work to do. And join us for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, 
Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.